When we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than simply studying an ancient text. We believe God actually speaks to us through these words. So let us take a moment of silence to clear our minds and quiet our hearts so we can listen to God's word. After leaving the synagogue, Jesus went home with Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever, and the family asked Jesus to help her. He bent over her and spoke harshly to the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and served them. When the sun was setting, everyone brought to Jesus relatives and acquaintances with all kinds of diseases. Placing his hands on each of them, he healed them. Demons also came out of many people. They screamed, you are God's son. But he spoke harshly to them and wouldn't allow them to speak because they recognized that he was the Christ. When daybreak arrived, Jesus went to a deserted place. The crowds were looking for him. When they found him, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of God's kingdom in other cities too, for this is why I was sent. So he continued preaching in the Judean synagogues. Okay, I've told this story before, so some of you have heard it, uh, but it's one of like the defining stories of my childhood. So if you've heard it before, I need you to hear it again. So uh, when I was like 12 or 13 maybe, I was babysitting. I did that a lot in my middle school years, and I was babysitting for a family down the street. I was at their house a lot in my middle school years, and I was with the kids, four and six, and we decided to play hide-and-seek. My turn to hide took that responsibility very seriously, found a good spot uh, in the dining room. Now, parents were redecorating dining room, uh, doing some um, redesign of the space, and so there was a dining room table that was pushed all the way against the wall. I thought, perfect spot. What four-year-old is going to look there? No, not going to happen. So I hid under there and kind of like bided, you know, my time. Like I took the time to wait it out, (laughs) couldn't hear anything, didn't hear any sound, which is great when you're babysitting children to have no idea where they are. And I decided it was time to run for base. And so I jump out from under the table. Now, something you should know. Uh, They pushed the table against the wall, but what was still very much in the center of the room was this low-lying, low-hanging chandelier. And it usually had the benefit of a table underneath it. So I jump out from under the table. And also what you should know is I've always been very tall. So I jump out from under the table and I just crash head first, like slam into the chandelier and down it goes. (laughs) Comes crashing down all around me. And I remember standing there completely in shock, completely what just happened. I remember, like, I can picture it so clearly. It was a long time ago, and I can picture it so clearly staring down at all these broken pieces. I can picture it, like, all this brokenness all around me, looking down, taking it in, in that moment. I think we have a lot of moments like that in life, a lot of moments of of looking down and seeing all the broken pieces. We know what it is to live in a world that in so many ways is so beautiful and so tragically broken. Broken systems, broken families, broken hearts, broken bodies, broken down spirits, a broken world. 
it's brokenness in our own lives and our own stories, like things that have been done to us, harm done to us, wounds that we carry, things that happen no one's fault, but, but happens in a broken, fallen world, cancerous tumors, deadly tsunamis, and yes, some brokenness that's a result of our choices, things that we do or don't do, our sin. And our passage tonight that Sean just read, people know what it is to stare down at, at your feet and see a lot of brokenness. The people in the passage know what it is to stare down brokenness, and they come to Jesus seeking wholeness. Tonight we're continuing in this series called, Are You the One? Are You the One? We're studying the early chapters of the Gospel of Luke, one of the four biographies of Jesus. And in the sequence of stories that we're studying together, that we're looking at over the next few weeks, we we see people encountering Jesus. And they're faced with this question, are you the one? Are you the one who can make me whole? Are you the one who can take all the broken pieces and put them back together again? Are you the one who can take all this and actually make something good and beautiful out of this? In our passage that Sean read, it's, it's the sick. It's those oppressed by evil. It's those longing for healing. Jesus, are you the one who can make me whole again? We read in Luke 4, verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And this little vignette from Luke, it's physical healing that people are after. It's physical healing that Jesus is doing. It's it's liberation from evil forces, but the healing, the wholeness that Jesus brings is in every sense of the word. The healing, the wholeness that Jesus offers, that Jesus is bringing into our world, it's in every sense of the word. It's holistic. So last week, earlier in Luke 4, Chuck pointed out that God desires economic justice. That God is working for economic justice in our world. That God cares about the poor flourishing, the oppressed flourishing. Jesus is bringing wholeness in every sense of the word, the healing of relationships, the mending of hearts, the the righting of wrongs on a societal level, the forgiveness of sins. And one day in Christ, so complete, so full is the wholeness that Jesus brings that we're talking about what scripture talks about is the resurrection of our bodies. The creation itself one day will be renewed. Jesus is making all things new. Are you the one? Are you the one who can take all these broken pieces and make something good and beautiful? And here's the thing. Usually, I think, at least for me, often it's the broken parts of my story that I want to hide. I think a lot of times we think the broken parts of our story or our lives, those are the things that we need to hide from God. Those are the things maybe that we want to hide from God. And the Spirit of God and God's kindness and mercy whispers to us all over again. And I pray that God's Spirit speaks to you tonight and tells you even there, especially there, God's mercy triumphs. God's mercy is at work. If you keep reading in Luke, the next chapter, keep going, chapter 5, and Jesus invites people to respond to him, to follow him, to become their become an apprentice of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, to attach their lives to Jesus. And that's what we long for here at, at Nova, 
to be a community centered on Jesus, to be a community centered on Jesus, Jesus at the center. And so we gather on Sunday nights seeking to, to reorient our hearts towards Jesus. We take up these practices week after week. They're so common. They're so ordinary. Prayer and reading scripture and coming to the table and eating tacos, just like the early church did. We take up these practices, trusting that God's here, that God's at work, that God's shaping us and forming us week after week, year after year, decade after decade. And we gather in discipleship groups, smaller pockets of community where we can just take steps together towards Jesus, even as always Jesus is taking steps towards us. And we dream together of ways to be the church out there. It would be terrible if we just hung out in this room all the time. But to be the church out there, figuring out what it looks like to join God and God's healing, restorative work in the world. We center our little church together on Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, I just want to name really quick, because the tacos smell real good, I just want to name real quick a few ideas from our passage. Because our passage raises some questions for us. In the gospel account in Luke, healing is instant, right? Like in this passage, Jesus lays his hands on people and, and they're healed. And I don't want to discount the ways that that can happen or does happen today. But more often than not, that the healing work of God is, is a process. It's slow. We're talking about emotional healing, relational healing, spiritual healing. More often than not, it's slow. It's the slow process of recovery from trauma, of therapy, of exploring our, our family stories, of opening up to the love of God, of allowing the mercy of God to meet us in every part of our lives. It's the slow process of community being formed, of being known and loved by others. And we need each other in that process as we seek wholeness together. When we talk about healing on a societal level, it's a slow process. Truth-telling and peacemaking and justice-seeking as we look for change in our world. When we talk about physical healing, in part, sometimes we see that. We see a direct intervention of God as we pray. We see that certainly through, through medicine. My son, my middle son, Sam, this week, he got scarlet fever. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> that's exactly, that's a thing still. But you know what is also a thing? Penicillin. <laughs> Penicillin is a thing. We see God at work. I was like, thank you, Jesus, for antibiotics. <laughs> we see God at work through medicine. We see God at work in, in, in these physical ways. And we trust it's a slow process, but one day Jesus is going to come back and the healing will be complete. Another question in our passage, why isn't everyone healed? Jesus says, I got to go. I got to keep preaching. Why isn't everyone healed? Why isn't everyone healed today? I'm sure, like me, you have spent time praying for people, earnestly, devoutly praying for someone to be healed, and you haven't seen it. What do you do with that? What do I do with that? We need community where we can come together with our questions and our doubts you read a book like the book of Psalms and scripture and God's people are like, where are you at, God? We need people that we can pray those kind of prayers with. How long, oh Lord? Why have you forsaken me? God, I need you to be God and do something. We need community. We need each other in that. What a gift. 
Also, just to be able to text someone and say, will you pray for me? Because we need community where we can bring our questions and our doubts, and we need community where we can just text someone and say, would you pray for me right now? One more point. What about the demons in the passage? They're not permitted to speak. Why did Jesus shut them up? It seems, in part, he's wanting to slowly reveal who he is. He's waiting to reveal who he is, partly because Jesus is defying all their categories. They want to put a crown on him. They want him to overthrow the Romans. They want him to take up his sword. They want violence. They want all this to happen. They are not expecting a Messiah who's going to suffer and die. They're not expecting a Messiah who's going to crawl up on the cross in their place. We need community where we follow Jesus together and we allow Jesus to keep subverting our expectations. We can allow Jesus to keep uh, turning our notions upside down of, of what he's about in the world. That we're not creating some sort of like puppet Jesus to just do our bidding and always be on our side. We need each other to keep pursuing Jesus and the, the radical way of Jesus. As a community centered in Jesus, you're welcome here. If you're unsure of what you believe, you're welcome here. If you're in some sort of uh, period of deconstruction, you're welcome here. If you've experienced spiritual abuse or religious trauma, we pray this is such a kind place for you, and you are welcome here. If you're a longtime disciple of Jesus, you're welcome here. If you're new to this Christianity thing, this following Jesus thing, you are welcome here. Jesus, right there in the middle of our life together. This past fall, we had a covenant partner workshop for those who are ready to, to put down roots in our community, uh, to link arms, to commit to the common life and shared mission of Nova. Covenant partner is kind of a, a churchy mouthful, uh, but it means to, to commit to each other and to God's mission, to follow Jesus together in this particular place at this particular time. And we believe there's something really good and beautiful about committing to each other in this way. And there's some present tonight who completed that workshop and, and became covenant partners of NOVA. And I'm going to pray for them in just a moment, that commitment, that desire, uh, as we entrust ourselves to God's work among us. But I also want you to hear me say that you don't have to be a covenant partner to be a vital part of our life together, of our community life, our, our shared purposes together that whether or not you're a covenant partner, you are a vital part of our community, that you're dearly loved, that you're needed here, that your participation in the life of Nova is a blessing to us. Also know some folks are new. If you want to learn more about our community, I would love to talk uh, tonight or in the future. If you want to find out how to become a covenant partner, the website is in front of you. And I just want to pray for all of us tonight for all of us. There's a uh, prayer I've been using each morning through January, 22 days in, 21 days in, had an off day. And it, it's called the welcoming prayer. Just welcoming God into our ordinary, everyday, broken lives. And the last line of that prayer says this, I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action of grace. We look at this chapter in the Gospel of Luke. Are you the one who can take all the broken pieces and put it back together again? 
The broken pieces of my life and my story in this world, are you the one? May we respond with this prayer, I open to the love and presence of God and the healing action of grace. I'm going to pray for us, including that prayer. If you are comfortable, would you close your eyes and pray with me? Gracious God, thank you that you don't stand far off. You're not at a distance as if the best hope we have is to shout loud enough to get your attention. No, God, you see us, you come near, you've been low. You call our name long before we ever have a thought of calling your name. You sent your son Jesus to enter into the brokenness of our world and our lives, that that Jesus became one of us, frail and finite, human. And tonight we say thank you. We pray tonight for those who have become covenant partners of Nova. We pray that you would bless their desire to put down roots, that you would give them grace to move towards you and your purposes. We pray for all of us that you would help us to invite people to enjoy life with you, God, that we would be people who enjoy life with you. May each of us see signs of your renewal. And we pray tonight that we would be open to your love and presence that we would be open to the healing action of your grace at work within each of us.